0: hello again everybody it's been a hot minute since i've recorded anything last well that's not true i've recorded a ton of podcast episodes but i just haven't been putting them out because i've been way too busy with uh just a lot of personal stuff a lot of professional stuff i finally found a little nugget of time to be able to uh finally edit and produce these episodes which is really cool So I'm starting things off with this episode. It is my friend Monica from Vancouver. She's an actress in Vancouver. Her and I met about a year ago, maybe two years ago now. And we became very, very quick friends. And I was privileged to sit down with her uh, last time I was out there in May. And we had a really great conversation about a lot of different things. Um, And I just... uh, Monica is such a genuine and beautiful and courageous human being. Every time I talk to her I just feel so inspired and so like uh, uplifted and I just wanted to share all of that with anybody that I could uh, because she's a wonderful human being. I feel like she has something to teach and something to give to anyone that listens to her because she just has this uh, very interesting and topsy-turvy kind of life and it's something that is very unique and very uh, interesting and I just wanted to Sit down and have a very full and intimate conversation with her because I thoroughly enjoy spending time with her, and I really wanted to capture what her whole life was about and the whole story behind everything that she has accomplished and dealt with in her life. So this episode is going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit different than my regular episodes because I was, I was kind of interviewing Monica as opposed to just having a conversation with her. I was kind of pushing because I wanted to learn a lot about her life because she's had a very storied past and a very interesting kind of ride to, to get to where she is now. Um, so I was kind of pushing for, you know, to, to keep it a little bit linear. So it's a little bit different than just the freeform conversations that I typically have with people. But I hope you guys enjoy it regardless. I know I enjoyed it immensely while I was recording it and I I'm so enthralled with her as a human being because she just has so many interesting perspectives and interesting things to say. Uh, there was a, quite a few t- parts it, during this interview where I didn't even have to ask questions. She just kept talking about things, and it was such a wonderful thing to witness because I was able to just sit back and absorb everything that she was saying. and It, it was intense, and it was lovely, and I'm so excited to share this with you. I've decided, uh, the, this is the, the hilarious that I've waited so long because this was like six months ago that I recorded this episode with Monica but in those six months I have decided that I'm going to be producing a book and it's something that I have wanted to do for quite some time and it was something that I was really unsure of for a very long time but I got enough support from friends and from family to say that like yep you should do this thing um it's going to be a book that's mixed with portrait photography as well as some writing that I've done. Um, I guess you would call it poetry. It's more just a kind of stream of consciousness, writing feelings and thoughts. But each page is going to have a portrait that I've done and, and some writing that I've done. And I'm really excited to fully produce this and put it out. If you're interested in taking a look, uh, I do have pre-orders up on my website right now. Um, there's different tiers of uh, ordering you can do. There's just a digital copy of the book, which is only $20, and then there's physical copies that are range from, I think, $45 to $60, uh, depending on what you want. So if you're interested, please go check that out. Uh, I would really appreciate it, and I've been putting a lot of time and effort into trying to make that a thing. Uh, so I would, I, I would genuinely very, very uh, much appreciate it if you even just go and take a look or or just uh, express any kind of interest, that would be wonderful. But uh, enough about my bullshit. Without further ado, I'd like to introduce you guys to Monica, and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation as much as I did. See you next time.
1: a town called Vagirid, which is pretty much in the southern parts of Sweden. It is really close to the city where I would live right now with my mom whenever I'm in Sweden, called Jönköping, which is on or at the most southern point of the second biggest lake in Sweden, also called Jerusalem of Sweden, because we have way too many churches. Okay, All Uh, all very beautiful, of course, Um, just a lot of religion happening. It's a smaller town. It's not even a city per se. It's a a town. It's a town where people grow up, then they move, as they, you know, become a young adult. And then when they have found whoever they want to settle down with, a lot of people move back. It's kind of like a family town. Uh, It has a lake. So while I grew up, I was always, like, during the summer, I was always around lakes. We lived an apartment, moved to a house on my 11th birthday that was right by this big lake, which was great. And we had a summer house that was an old windmill that was actually about a 100 years old. So when I grew up, I would spend every week in there. So there was, it was an old
0: windmill that was tra- now transformed into
1: a house? I think or... it was like, okay, so it was, it was a house that was attached to an old windmill. So it's like from the same era. Gotcha. I understand. Um, it also sounds very idyllic. Is that what you Mm. call it? Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, it's, it's very pretty, but it's also in butt fuck nowhere. Um, (laughs) it's like one and a half kilometer. I don't know how many miles that is. You have to figure it out yourself. Actually, you guys do kilometers, don't you? It's one and a half kilometers to the nearest neighbor. Mm. No electricity. So you're literally like surrounded by thick forest, which Mm. is why i enjoy silence mm.
0: right. like, i uh, i grew up on a farm um in a very rural town uh, i told you before like my town had 400 people in it when i was growing up as a teenager as a as a child and a teenager um and the farmhouse that i lived in was like five or six kilometers away from like any kind of civilization so i kind of understand yeah. that because it was just it was all just farmland and forest mm-hmm. and then you drove for yeah. six kilometers and you found civilization so i right. get that
1: So I I think that's also why, as much as now when I'm in my 20s, I like living in the city because this is, you know, we need this sort of stimulants or stimuli, whatever you call it, in this age to find ourselves. I think it's, I think you need to change environment, but I think when I get older, I will most likely go back to something Mm -hmm. less populated than Vancouver, probably. Also less expensive. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) Um,
0: So what was your childhood like? Like, what what was your... What was a day in the life of young Uh, Monica?
1: Right. That was the simple and fun part. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was four, my dad developed cancer. Okay. uh, Prostate cancer. And he retired early to battle with cancer. And at that time they used uh, radiation because mm-hmm. I don't remember him going in for like chemotherapy I was so like I was so young so I don't really remember that I just remember spending a lot of time at the hospital as a kid like a hospital environment is nothing new to me I was there every other weekend pretty much from a, the time I was four until I was 18 it's okay. like the, the majority of my life was spent at hospitals right. and not even like for my own sake and he they successfully got rid of the cancer, thanks to the radiation. However, at that time, we couldn't like specify the point you would use the radiation, so they had to use it on his entire torso, which means that in the process of that happening and you know getting rid of the tumor, it also ruined a lot of his other organs. So even though the cancer was gone, after that, his other organs started to fail. So even though the cancer was gone, my memory of my childhood is pretty much every other weekend yeah um, there was something with his bowels like okay. the uh, when the cancer disappeared it created a pocket in his body where sometimes if he ate a certain thing or whatever it was like I don't remember the bowel will get caught in this pocket mm-hmm. and they will twist okay so he would be in severe pain mm-hmm. and then we would have to call an ambulance or go into the hospital and this was a thing that happened. I don't really remember how long it took from him getting cancer from when I was four, I think I was four, uh, how long that took until he was, you know, defeated the cancer mm-hmm. or whatever. But I remember, like, this, the other issues with his body would be, like, a year, like, years and years-long battle. I would just always be at the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's always, like, ambulance, ER, people around. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much what my childhood was. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time, I guess, when I started school, I mean, I don't really know any other way of being a kid, right? So, I just remember being very angry. I had a very hard time getting friends. Uh, I was really bossy as a kid. Maybe, if I analyze it now, maybe that was because I wanted to, I couldn't control anything in my life. My home situation was kind of chaotic, so... I was just a bossy child. Like, I'm not going to deny that. And a bossy child is a hard time getting friends. But then the older I got, I think it wasn't so much about me being bossy as it was about me not being able to connect with a lot of these kids because their home lives were on a different level. Not to say that they didn't have issues that were, you know, just as big in their world. It just was a different issue. And for me, it was like, well, your problems are less than mine. You can't relate to me. So... I can't be bothered with your bullshit because it's, in my eyes, it was like I don't want to say pathetic, but I just didn't have time for it because I was like, well, at least you don't have this. But
0: it you know. uh, it sounds like you were kind of thrust into maturity at a younger age. You know what I mean? Like you were kind yeah. of forced into dealing with much more mature and adult situations yeah. than other children, which means that you were, you know, compensating a little bit because you you felt that, uh, you know, the the person who this girl didn't like them or they, you know, their, their parents took away their, you know, mm-hmm. video game system or whatever it was, it was petty. You know what I mean? Because very of what petty. you, because of what you were dealing with, you just had a, that, uh, that observation of it being very petty problem. Probably
1: why they thought I was bossy too. I don't know, but yeah. So that was a thing. Um, there was a point at this time where my dad was like dealing with all these other bodily issues like his his organs just start to shut down like his um bladder i remember like eventually just pretty much turned into a little stone and there was like catheters 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 Catheters. there was catheters involved and then later on i don't know what you call it in english when you have like a bag for colostomy like yes uh when i was 15, maybe? I changed those for my dad. Mm -hmm. So, like, I did those things. Mm -hmm. And those were not unnatural things to me. But when I look back, like, I'm pretty sure none of my friends ever Mm -hmm. that I've ever known did that at that age. Mm -hmm.
0: I can relate to a certain degree not because I helped my dad with it but because um, later in my dad's life he was on dialysis which was for kidneys you have to um, liquid in your your kidneys and then you 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 have to empty it out so watching him do that himself like you know like having a yeah. bag and then empty it out into the sink and stuff like i can relate a lot to that because i have very distinct memories of my dad doing that and it's like one of those things where you know it's not normal but it's your normal you know what yeah. i mean and it's very very bizarre to try to talk to somebody who hasn't experienced stuff like yeah. that it just doesn't it doesn't relate because they they've never you know they've never seen it they never like have
1: yeah. therefore like for me when kids my age you know when you look at videos on youtube and Whatever it was that you would be watching, it was something a bit more gross, so to speak. And they'd be like, oh, that's so disgusting. And for me, it would be like, I mean, not really. It's a it's a bodily function. Like, I don't... And also, it hurts me personally when people would make fun of older people. Because my dad was 56 years old when I was born. He was 26 years older than my mom. So my mom is, like, a regular age, right? But my dad had two wives before my mom. So... I was pretty much like an agreement between the two of them. She agreed to marry him. And that sounds like, I mean, I am a contract, but also like she did love my dad, but she's like, you already have three kids with two other women. Like I don't have any kids. And if I'm going to move from Slovenia, oh, I should probably say that both of my parents are from Slovenia. I'm just born and raised in Sweden. So I'm not, I don't know what makes me Swedish and whatnot. What the fuck? I'm a cool hybrid. Let's just say that. (laughs) So yeah, she's like, you already have kids. I need a child, otherwise there's no point in me marrying you, so, hello, it's me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that was me, I was helping out with that, I spent weekends, when I was in the last year of high school, spent my recess, like the long recess, I would go to the hospital and spend time with my dad, because he pretty much, when, okay, so, I guess from, he got cancer when I was four, Let's say he defeated it. Defeated, like, whatever. It was gone by I was six, maybe. Um And then all these other bodily issues and sh- his body shutting down started. But when I was 16 or 17, um his cancer came back. Except this time, it was fucking everywhere. Like, it was everywhere in his abdomen. And they're like, well, there's so many spots of it. Um, we can't we can't get rid of it like we can give you chemo to like slow it down but we can't we can't stop it Mm. and at that point like we knew okay so this is this is what he's gonna die of because he's already in his Mm. 60s Mm. early 70s even i think yeah he would just have turned 70 would probably be 71 or something so like he was old we're like great he's back (laughs) we're not gonna get out of this again are we and i remember there was um I actually remember how many surgeries my dad had but there was a lot like at least a couple a year mm-hmm. I think or maybe that's just because when you're a kid everything blends together mm-hmm. like I can't really remember the specifics but I remember being like 16, 17 and um, my dad was at a hospital and they had given him a catheter that wasn't attached it was attached to his stomach and um, As it was healing, they didn't use it. But when it healed, they wanted to use it, right? But it didn't work. And we're like, okay, so take it out. And I remember hearing them say, or like I was sitting by my dad's bedside. And he said, well, they can't take it out because they don't know where it is. And I was like, what do you mean they don't know where it is? Right fucking there. Like, I can see it. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, I know. And the doctor held it in his hand, but they don't know where it is in my body or why it doesn't work. So we just had like a series of things not working the way they should. And I remember my brother was so angry at this time and he's like, that's that's it, like we're switching hospitals. Like this is not, this is like a disgrace. Cause I also remember there was a, a time at that hospital, it was summer break and my mom called me, she was crying and she's like, they can't wake your dad up. Um, my coworker is gonna come and get you and you're gonna have to come into the hospital and say goodbye and I was like, okay. And my brother lived in Stockholm and my one sister lived in Gothenburg. I think the other sister lived in Shopping. I don't remember. But like my brother came from Stockholm, that's a four hour drive. My other sister came from Gothenburg, that's a two and a half, two hour drive. Like we were all getting ready to say goodbye. And like I walked into this room and he like he wasn't responsive at all. And then we're all sitting there awkwardly saying our goodbyes. Like I don't know. They were saying their goodbyes and then all of a sudden there's like a nurse who comes in and he or she, I can't remember, they were like, um, there might be something we can do. Uh, we might have missed that he might just have gotten a bit too much morphine. We're like, oh, okay. So <laughs> they give him this syringe, like this shot of something in his IV that wakes him up. And there we've been sitting, saying goodbye. And I'm like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it was like this is what this is what my teenage years was like. So now when I look back, I'm not very surprised over the fact that I was very angry. I Was a very angry teenager. I was just angry at most things. Mm-hmm. I was angry about what people were complaining about. I was angry that that it always like if there were two options of what could happen. Like the worst and something good. It was most usually towards the worst scenario. It would lean mm-hmm. that would always be the option which today makes me i'm just a very barren person like i know where it comes from but that's i'm pretty sure that is exactly why yeah. i always expect the worst because that's what happened most of the time
0: it was easier for you to expect the worst and it have be a little it, less than the worst than to no. not expect the worst and it to be worse than what you were expecting
1: right? like so. uh i remember while the, the catheter that we were talking about <clears throat> they couldn't find. <laughs> I think he was in a surgery and I think it was a surgery because of that. And he was in the ICU, intensive care unit, yeah, yeah, ICU. And I remember like being told like this was a very big operation. Like he had a fifty-fifty percent chance to survive. And um they're like there's a lot of risk for infections and this and that. I don't remember exactly what they were doing except maybe taking this thing out. But I remember sitting on the bus on my way home at 16 or 17. And I was like, I don't really believe in God per se. But I was sitting there staring out the bus window. And I was like hoping. I was hoping and almost praying that he would die that day. Because if he didn't die during surgery when he was, you know, put under. Mm -hmm. He was like sleeping. Then I knew for sure cancer was going to do it. And we all know that's just, like, a way worse way to go. Because you don't know how long it's going to take. But it pretty much just, like, breaks you down. So I remember I was, like, hoping that he would die. Um, He didn't. There were complications. There was urine that was leaking in his body. So we had to go in again. And my older sister was there. She was very upset. She kept asking the same question over and over to the doctors. Even I got annoyed because I understood. But, I mean... I live in those conditions every day. She didn't. So now afterwards I realized that she was under a lot of pressure. And like, you know, I got annoyed. I left the room. It, um, was,
0: uh, it was commonplace for you because you've been dealing with it all the time. Yeah. But it was a shock to somebody who hasn't, uh, right? hasn't been there. And it's like, like
1: she yeah. would document and like take pictures of my dad when he was lying there with all the tubes and things. I also know that doctors... At the ICU, not doctors, but nurses, they do document it, Mm -hmm. and then they ask if you want to look, because some people want to know what happened, and some people don't. I remember, like, my dad did take a look in that book later, and he was really disturbed. He didn't like it at all. I never looked in the book, but he was really disturbed about, you know, seeing himself. Because he was a very handy man. Like, he was a manly man, or whatever you want to call it. Right, right. Like, he, he would... He was an engineer. He knew how to build fucking cranes. He would renovate houses, like... My dad was the kind of man who had, like, five projects going on at the same time. Even though everyone else wanted to do different things, you know, it didn't really matter. Whenever you went to our summer houses, it it was about keeping the place up. I mean, it's a big house, so now afterwards, like, I get it. If you want to enjoy time there, you got to put in your own dime or whatever, like... And that makes sense, but I remember always something always building renovating something well the with
0: my dad it was uh, you telling that story of him you getting a phone call and everything like that about yeah. him not waking up that is how I how my dad's life ended for me was yeah. I got a phone call and said you need to get to the hospital now and by the time I got there he was already non-responsive he was on life support, but he was completely non-responsive and everything like that. And same situation. We all, you know, said our goodbyes and everything. But it was... Uh, I With me, I didn't realize that it was gonna... That they were going to take him off life support, like, right then and there. Like, I thought it was like, okay, we'll do it tomorrow or whatever. Stuff like that. But, like, they were doing it, like, right there. And I didn't realize that until it was, like, happening. And my reaction... I, I was so overwhelmed by it that i had to run out of the room that he was in and like i slammed into the wall in the hallway because i was just trying to find somewhere to like get away from everything because i just couldn't i couldn't deal with my emotions and uh, i ended up like finding a bathroom and i had to stick my foot in the door of the bathroom because i thought i was gonna pass out i was worried that whoever like, somebody wasn't going to find me because I yeah. thought I was going to pass out. So I ended up, like, laying on the floor of this bathroom, just, like, hyperventilating, and I stuck my foot into the door, and then finally somebody found me because I was just freaking out. Like, I didn't know what to do, and I was yeah. just, I was so overwhelmed. Um, but then finally they kind of calmed me down, and I got to go back in and, and uh, say my goodbyes and stuff like that. And and it was, uh, that's like, when you were telling me that story, it was like, it was uncanny how it brought back so many of these little thoughts that I was like, that was exactly the same, like same process, same everything. And I mean, I'm glad that he came out of it for the most part, but it's like it's same, same situation. And that's why I was like, holy shit.
1: But at the same time, like, I don't know any different, right? Like people are always like, I'm so sorry that that was your childhood. I mean, yeah, so am I. But at the same time, like I never had a dad who could play with me like other people's dad would do. Like, you know, Yeah, I remember after he got the cancer back and I spent my recess there in class, I, um... He would start talking about his funeral. Um, So here am I, a 17-year-old or something, and he's, like, telling me that, don't let your mom spend too much money on my this and that. Of course, like, I get it, but at the same time, I'm like, dude... I'm not going to stop my mom from, like, deciding how she wants the funeral to be of, like, her husband. Like, that's her grieving process. It was also, I think, just very morbid. Like, I am a very morbid person. I don't know. I also, like, I didn't, like, my dad, he wasn't a very Mm -hmm. nice person. Um, The older I get, once again, like, the more now I realize how he was in a lot of pain because he started drinking after he... Uh, beat the cancer the first time so when when he wasn't sick and cancer he would be drinking he was loud he was uh, retired so he was home all day my mom would work full time which meant that like when my dad was at home he would see everything that needed to be done because he's home all day right so he would get annoyed with things we didn't do and you know small things that were just like a pest, so he would be angry when my mom went to work and she hadn't done anything, and then I had to listen to it. And I just didn't like my dad very much. Like he was not a very nice man.
0: Yeah, I um I went through basically my entire childhood uh, up until being almost a young adult, thinking the very same thing about my father. I was him and I had a very uh, troubled relationship. and We didn't get along very well at all. And uh, it it wasn't until I was in my mid. 20s that I realized that I was projecting a lot of how I felt because he wasn't around a lot when I was a Mm -hmm. kid so I didn't have any positive notes to draw from because the only time my dad was home he was in pain and he was he had worked a 16 hour day at work and he just didn't want to deal with anything so it was always very negative energy Mm -hmm. um and it wasn't until my sister had her son and and I had a nephew and seeing him grow up and realizing how good of a of a dad my dad Dad could be um it yeah. was just because he was, he was around because he was around and he just didn't have the chance to be around when I was a kid yeah. um so when that happened, it made me realize like I was just projecting a lot of how I felt because I felt kind of um a little bit abandoned and a little yeah. bit of neglect and stuff like that, and it wasn't to any part of his it was just that was the situation because he had yeah. to work to to put food on the table when I became like you know a, a mid twenties adult, I started to realize that I could uh I, I could forgive him for a lot of things and it wasn't until like, it wasn't until a couple of years before he passed away that I was able to, we, him and I had it out and we talked and we just, we talked about everything and, and we got out, everything on the table basically and it was at that point that I realized that it wasn't, he wasn't a bad father, um, he was just a busy man and especially later in his life he was just in a lot of pain because he was yeah. had a lot of medical issues but seeing him like with my nephew and teaching him teaching my nephew things just like going down to his workshop and showing my nephew how to like cut a piece of wood and stuff like that like just showing him that stuff it made me there was a part of me that was a little bit envious of it because mm-hmm. I wish that was my childhood but there was also a part of me that was it was wonderful to see my dad being this father figure and this mm-hmm. this uh male figure in my nephew's life and it was a really cool thing um so it definitely allowed me to Um, realized that he wasn't all bad and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't this monster that I kind of made him up in my head. Um, And I'm not saying that's your situation at all. I just mean that like later in life I've been able to reflect and say like, oh, okay, these were the reasons that things happened the way that they did. And and it's unfortunate, but I'm able to. For the same reason, like,
1: yeah, I know that that's why he was drinking because he was in pain. Like, and that's something that you learn with age. Exactly. And it's, it's a revelation that like, that I like. But then there's also things where my dad drowned my first cat. It took a few years before I found out, but... Like, because I never thought he'd do that, and then I found out that he did. To me, that's very cruel. Like, to me... Like, I don't think he did it because, you know, he liked it. Absolutely not. My cat, my first cat had kittens, and he's like, you can keep a kitten... But we can't keep her. Like, you can only have one cat at a time. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I guess she had, like, taken a shit in my sister's bed twice. And here's the thing. There's a lot of reasons why cats do that. Mm -hmm. But my dad didn't care. So he just wanted to get rid of her. And I thought that he was going to give her to, like, a, a farm. Which is what he told me he did. But, which, what I found out years later, that that's not at all what happened. That he actually drowned my cat. And I didn't say anything to him until... One day, he was angry with me because I hadn't cleaned the litter box of my current cat at that time, and he said that, I don't know, he was, you know, he's angry, he's home all day, he's in pain, like, I get it, you get angry. I'm a kid, I'm a teenager, I'm, you know, just very stubborn, and he said something about me not caring about the cat, I don't remember what it was, but I snapped, and I said, "Well." What are you gonna do? Are you gonna drown that cat too? And I saw like the realization go over his face, and he's like, Who told you that? And I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Like, I know what you did. And I will always know what you did. And then I just left the room. And um, I didn't we didn't get along. I was I was I was born in the 90s, 92, you know, like I was emo. And my dad was, he, he grew up, like I said, he was 56 year old, years older. He was um, born in a poor family, a very poor family in Slovenia. We had very different upbringings, right? I lived in a Swedish middle class family. Like, that's so different. And I liked ripped jeans. while my dad is like, if I wore ripped jeans, I would be bullied. So there was like this clash that just didn't work. And I remember as a teenager, I resented him for that. Because he's like, why do you dye your hair and it's ugly and blah, blah, blah. These stupid things, but it didn't bring me closer to my dad at all, mm-hmm. and then, when he got really sick i I was battling a lot about whether or not to forgive him because i was I was just angry, I'm like you don't you don't deserve it like
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I know that my dad dealt with a lot of things too, like if it wasn't for my dad, I wouldn't have some very valuable qualities that I have today, mm-hmm. and I realized that. Do I wish things would have been different? Absolutely. Do I wish he would have dealt with it different? Absolutely. Do I blame him? I mean, there's no point. It just is what it is.
0: You're not going to get any closure. Right? I'm just very
1: open with having daddy issues. (laughs) Because that is how I grew up. This is what happened. And people make fun of it. They're like, oh, do you have daddy issues? I'm like, yeah. Bet you have mommy issues. Like, that's a thing. But at least... I've gotten to know myself a lot more by analyzing that and I didn't start doing that until I actually came to Canada to acting school Mm. and during the time my dad was really sick I started dating a guy I fell in love with him online when I was 13 when I was 15 we finally met up and it was like we really fell in love with each other. And we were together for six and a half years.
0: And he was from Canada at that time. Is what No, 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 no. He okay. he was
1: Swedish. Okay, that's... the reason I'm mentioning that is because he, that boyfriend at that time, later on fiance mm-hmm. was a he was a big support during mm-hmm. all of this. Like, he was there from time I was like, fourteen, fifteen until I was twenty, one. Mm-hmm. He was a big support. Like his family was everything that my family wasn't. They were calm. They were like, every time I went there, they had like big get togethers and they would be super sweet and there was never any issues. But every time I was there, I would, I would get a call from home about dad falling and hitting his head. There was always something. Mm-hmm. And I figured that if I, when I found out that I got into acting school in Canada after my dad passed, I'm like, I, I need to go. Like, I need to do something. I was at home making sure that my mom didn't hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And when I was sure that she wasn't, I'm like, all right. I can do things now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mm-hmm. have to be at home and help her with my sick, da- yep. sick dad. I can do something else. Um, and my dad, um, he died on Christmas mm-hmm. when I was 18. He, um, he got allergic to the chemo. Mm-hmm. And when he did, they told us, well, this it's going to go really quick mm-hmm. after this. And, well, we didn't want him to die at the hospital, so we took him home. We had a guest room that we had installed like um, a hospital bed in. So we had, it was a week before Christmas, he came home on the Thursday. And Christmas would be next Friday. So eight days later. So he came home on Thursday. I was still working because I'm like, I couldn't be home all the time. I needed some distraction. Mm-hmm. But my one brother was there with my one sister. And then we all we all like took turns sitting in his room. During the, during the night, um, I remember my sister slept in my bed with me, and then my mom slept on the floor, and then my brother and his girlfriend slept in my parents' room. It's kind of like a campout sort of thing. It's just very, like, I don't know, you know, it's Christmas time, and you're trying to be merry, but you also know what's happening, and, you know, as the days went by, he went quieter, he stopped eating, and at this time, like my dad used to be a pretty, pretty big man. Huh. He was fat at one point. Like he was just big. My my
0: dad was very similar.
1: Like, like um,
0: a, a large, stocky, like just yeah, like he would be like didn't want to fuck with him, but at the same time wasn't yeah. super inch. <laughs> like he guy, had a beer
1: yeah. belly and like, he wasn't fit. Like he was a strong man, mm-hmm. but he wasn't fit per se. Mm-hmm. But that's how I grew up. My dad was big, and then this fragile gray looking man in that bed was it's like something very very different like he was so old all of a sudden like so fragile yeah. and um then seven days later like exactly a week later I went downstairs in the morning my brother was sitting in the room reading a magazine so he wasn't really like looking at my dad at all And I noticed that my dad was breathing very awkwardly. Like the only thing I can compare it to is um, when you put an animal down; they have like a very shallow, Mm -hmm. fast Mm -hmm. breathing thing going on, and that's pretty much what was happening. And so I went into the kitchen. My brother's girlfriend was um, a nurse, so I am. I said to my sister, they were both in the kitchen, and I was like, "Dad's breathing pretty weirdly." And my sister's like, "No, I just think that's husband." She kind of dismissed me a little bit, like not like not not badly, but she's like, "Oh, he's probably you know not fine, obviously, because he's dying, but you know what I mean." But um, my brother's girlfriend, Jenny, was listening to what I said, so she just quietly went into the room, and then I was like, kept yeah. I made these breakfast sandwiches or whatever I was doing, but she came back really quickly. And, She's like, I think you guys need to get your mom, because, like, he's he's passing. So, we got our mom, and we all got into the room, and everyone said their goodbyes, except for me. Um, I've never seen my brother cry until that day, but he was crying, and I was sitting in his lap. Like, my dad wasn't responsive anymore, I don't even know if he could hear us, but Within 10 minutes he was dead. So, like, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know if I'm superstitious, but, like, if I, if I hadn't woken up at that time, we would have missed it. Like, because my brother just, he wasn't noticing. He was just reading a magazine, right? Like, and I don't know if there's a point to that, but, like, I, I'm happy I woke up because I gave everyone that chance to, like, say goodbye, even though I didn't. And the reason I didn't, I don't know if it was because I didn't think he deserved it but i'm i know i made the conscious decision not to say goodbye i was holding his hand but i didn't say goodbye i was the only one left
0: i um very similar situation where where everybody else said public goodbyes and stuff when my dad was when they turned him off life support and everybody um and i didn't i uh, same concept i I was holding his hand but i didn't say anything um it wasn't until everybody else left the room for me that i said a couple of words um just privately because i don't know if it was because i didn't I didn't have the same relationship with my dad that my stepsister and my stepmother yeah. did. I wasn't as close to him as they were, so I didn't feel I didn't feel right taking time away from them to say my goodbyes at that time. So I waited until I was, you know, they were finished and they were out of the room to uh, to say my goodbyes to him. Um, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't out of like that I didn't want to or that I didn't feel like it was just more. I felt it was more appropriate to let them grieve and let them process their emotions before i stepped in and did mine just because i thought it was i don't know more
1: polite
0: not polite just more um important i feel like them saying goodbye was more important than me saying goodbye because they were so much closer to him than i was so i don't know that's that's where i was at for that anyway that was Mm. the process going through my brain you said you were studying film history
1: Oh, yeah, it was boring as shit. <laughs> um,
0: was was film something, like, right from the get-go you knew you wanted, or was there, like, a few different avenues you were
1: thinking about? See, like, it's funny that I chose acting, because specifically I remember when I was 14, I had a discussion with someone. I don't remember who, but I very much remember the words I said, and it was, I'm so happy I don't want to work as an actress. Because can you imagine the pressure of having to look pretty all the time? And, like, it's just bullshit. And I was like, I couldn't take getting denied on auditions and blah, blah, blah. That's awful. I'm so happy I don't want to be an actress. Well, well, well. (laughs) You fucked yourself over.
0: So, did you have any other, like, were there any, like, I want to be a pastry chef or I want to be a firefighter? First, I
1: wanted to be a farmer. Okay. Because I loved animals. Uh, I loved horse riding. Um, which I still do. I haven't done it in years, but it, there's, I have a very special relationship with horse running. Um, I wanted to have all kinds of animals. I wanted to save all kinds of animals, you know, like I'm, I'm guessing a lot of kids do. That's the only reason I wanted to have a farm because animals, I do not really care about, you know, the logistics of how you would pay for that farm because <laughs> who does? Um, I wanted to be a cop after that because I was a very bossy child And I thought that that would make me able to control other people. I don't know. (laughs) Um, After that, I wanted to be a lawyer. Because I wanted to fight for what was right. Uh, Today, I kind of feel like lawyers are snake people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's what I wanted to do then. After that, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. Because I found mental health and... I found myself talking and be good at talking or like, I have this thing with a, with a girlfriend at school where she would set up couples all the time. Everyone went to her. She set them up as couples and then they would break up. And who do you think dealt with that? That was me. So yeah, it was, I, we were, we would make jokes about like having a business where she couples up people that we know won't like last. And then I, I cash in later cause I take care of what was left, um, therapy. Um, then I realized that I had to do six years of schooling for that and I'm like, fuck no, I'm not doing that. Uh, also, I didn't believe that I was smart enough to do it, mm-hmm. which I think is a lie, but I don't know. There was reasons to why I didn't mm-hmm. choose to be a psychiatrist Well, you, hadn't, bu- you hadn't built up
0: enough confidence in yeah.
1: yourself. I mean, that's,
0: I think everybody goes through that where they, yeah. everybody has those thoughts of like, I don't know how to do this and I don't think I can do this, yeah. but once you go through life a little bit more and you start conquering little goals and stuff like that. You You start to realize like I can do pretty much anything I want as long as I, you know, actually stick to it and put my mind to it.
1: Right. I went to, so in high school in Sweden, what we call gymnasium, you can choose your major or something like that. I went, I studied a program that was called media and journalism. And I chose then You major in that, Mm. within that. And I uh, chose something called moving pictures, which is pretty much like I directed, produced, wrote, filmed. It's a DOP. I acted. We did short films. We did newscasts. Uh, We did um, documentaries and stuff like that. So technically, I learned how to sell shit and how to lie and how to research but also, I just wasn't... A lot of it was about how to sell things. And I felt like I spent three years learning how to lie. Mm. And I didn't like it. I didn't like what news or hyping about, necessarily. I don't know. Like, But the reason I picked moving pictures is because you had... You could choose between that. You could choose between... What we called exposition, I think, which is where you study like how to make a floor plan of a of a store or like their um, their windows, how to design them, like how you oh, okay, rep- I understand, yeah, how you yeah. proposition yeah. different yeah. things. I don't yeah. really know how you would explain it. Uh,
0: aesthetic managing. Basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty yeah,
1: much. Um, you could do that. You could do journalism and writing. You could do sound, which would be like radio or mm-hmm. photography. And the reason I chose moving pictures is because it has all of them. And I was like, that's the hardest one within this that I can do. Mm-hmm. So I picked that. And somewhere in there, I realized I'm like, I wanna direct. Like, I wanna create things that are not boring, you know. Because what we did was kind of like, uh, you know, these morning shows. And they're like, this is what we're gonna cook today with Chef Blah Blah. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't interesting to me, but. I wanted to be in the film industry. And I think the reason behind that was the only thing, except for my boyfriend at the time, that gave me any sort of release or out, out like that I could, where I could get away from my no, own reality. You needed an outlet for it. Was no. books, mm-hmm. um, writing, and other worlds where people had clear purposes. <laughs> My mom started reading Harry Potter for me when I was, like, four or something. It was a daily routine every night. It was my little own getaway. And I found that that was really important. And I found that people have been telling stories for as long as we can remember. That is mm-hmm. that is what people are.
0: Storytelling is the oldest art form, basically. It is, yeah.
1: And it's how we remember people. It's how we inspire people. It's it's a lot of things. And you can lie with it. You can mm-hmm. inspire with it. You can tell truths. You can do many things, both good and bad. But like, and I think I was like, that's the world I want to be in. And I think the reason I chose Canada was just because I was like, I want to be in an English-speaking country and I also want to get as far away from Sydney as possible.
0: It's amazing to me you talking about like the different avenues that you had in a high school education that you were able, like you had the option of learning like journalism and stuff like that. Because when I was in high school, it was, uh, you took tech, which is, like, building things and, like, learning how to reshape metal and how to fix cars and stuff like that. Or you took... fix uh, cars?
1: They taught you that? Yeah. You didn't get taught yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Um, or we had comtech, tech, which was, like, learning how to use a camera and learning how to use a computer and learning how to use... also So it's, it's interesting to me that you had so many specific avenues that you guys could go down.
1: But that's the three last years of mm-hmm. what we... What, of what you call high school is what we call gymnasium. What you're talking about, we did...
0: Beforehand, In, yes. Like
1: okay, between thirteen and sixteen. Interesting. Okay, that's our high school. So you have elementary, um, middle school, high school, gymnasium. Really, there's
0: four steps here. That's so so bizarre because yes. like we had we yeah it was just ours was just elementary, uh, yeah. high school post-secondary like it's like college. i think university.
1: post-secondary is what we call okay
0: gymnasium. okay cool that's interesting. Th- because
1: it's not it's not that's university so but it's it's, it's you, you know, have just to do our... it
0: before university that's so interesting that's such an interesting concept because yeah ours is just ours is like primary education and then it moves to grades three to eight and then eight till uh 12 and then or sorry nine till 12 i guess and then you had the option of taking an extra year in high school if you wanted to like get extra credit stuff like that but uh-huh. then it was immediately off to college after that so but the
1: thing is you just call it different but you have the same years that we yeah, do i think yeah it's just
0: you just have an extra you guys have an extra an extra strap you, an extra yeah, step you
1: graduate yeah. when you're like 18
0: usually 19 18 19 depending
1: on Yeah okay on when so you're we born, do the yeah. same thing we just call it something different That's... like uh, we have computer science mm. that we do that pretty much when we were like um, 14 to 15 16 mm. mm-hmm. Yes, or no, earlier. It starts pretty early, like, just because they want you to get into, like, com- yeah. like the keyboard, um, being used to keyboards. Uh, then we also had tech, mm. where we would, like, learn metal things, like mm. some robotic techniques. It was, okay. like, very, you yeah, barely we touched have, on yeah, it. we didn't have but that. But I think the reason they do that is just so that... It's not so that you mm. will learn everything about it, it's so that you will be able to to try as many different things as possible sure. so that you will know more about what yeah. you would be interested in. Ours
0: I think I got affected too because I grew up in a rural community so like my high school mm-hmm. only had 600 people in it for five different communities. Like that's how my high school was. That's when I switched um, from
1: town yeah, to, to the to other the city. city that yeah. makes sense bigger
0: um school. so yeah that was the i think i got we got kind of shorthanded there because i feel if we were in a bigger city we probably would have had more options for different subject matter but because probably. we had a, uh, we're more of a rural community we only had like very basic options it was like do you want to learn how to build things or do you want to learn how to use a computer basically but uh ours didn't like the way that you're describing yours it's like after a couple of years you guys kind of like reset and you got to pick like all new things whereas ours was like very you picked a branch and you said like okay i'm gonna learn about computers and then like you just continued down that branch for your entire high school career um, like you would, you, you'd you still take English and math and all that, but you would pick like a, a path that a you major. wanted to go on. Yeah. I, I guess you could call it a major, yeah. But that's you, the same thing Because did. you had to choose between art and music, like you couldn't take both, you had to take art or music.
1: Such um, bullshit. You had
0: to take tech or computer science, so you had to take, oh. it was all divided, so you, but you had to have the prerequisite to be able to go on with it. So I couldn't take tech one year and then just switch over to do computer science like the next year. I would have to take the either the previous grade computer science or I would have to continue with tech.
1: I think we're more similar than mm. you think. I, just,
0: it's, it, I think it's just the uh, like a language thing. That's I think it's just different yeah, different, yeah, exactly. different terms for things. I think that's all um, it is.
1: Because when we're 16, that's when we finish our high school. Mm, okay. You don't have to go to what we no. call gymnasium. But in Sweden, if you don't have your gymnasium mm. education so you can't do anything. Okay. It worked for generations before us but not anymore. Like you have to otherwise yeah. you don't really know. Well ours is being. the
0: same just with ha- having a high school dip- diploma. like Like right? you, you, you used to be able to you could quit Great! Like it, when you were sixteen, fifteen, sixteen, and you right. could get a job at a at a factory or at a mill or something. But now you can't get anything even without a college education, let alone a high right. school education. You you can you, you other it's than getting other than getting a job at like McDonald's or something yeah. like that, you can't really get a get a job without yeah. having an education. So
1: totally get yeah. it. Uh, no, we get to when we're sixteen, we finish what we what was called high school for mm. us, where everyone is doing the, all the same classes. Okay. You have like music, you have art, like picture. Um you do you have yeah, music, art, you have home science or whatever okay. we call where you learn like how to cook. Oh yeah, we and how yeah. To, ours like, was
0: I think our was ours was called uh home fundamentals or something. I'm like I'm that. just doing a rough translation. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally yeah
1: that. exactly. Like uh so we have that. Uh, they never taught you about taxes. They never taught you about yeah. how to change tires. No, we never got. You know of important that. stuff. Yeah. But there were some really good things, like how to not burn your rice, yeah. which people still do. But yeah. you know stuff like ours that. ours was that. just
0: yeah basic cooking skills. Like yeah. here's, here's how you boil water, and here's how you make noodles, and that. But also they would a... like
1: I think it's also just a good introduction sure. to the kitchen because not every kid has the opportunity to cook at home.
0: Yeah.
1: So I think that's a really good thing that they yeah. had. Um, after that, grade nine. You get to choose what school, sort of, you can apply for what school you want to transfer okay. to. Some people study carpentry. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people study, like, uh, a hairstylist. Mm-hmm. Some people study languages, nature mm-hmm. science. That's more, like, broad but heavily yeah. science-dependent. The other ones are career-building mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. So if you do, like, nature science and stuff like that, you most likely have to go to university. But if you do carpentry and all these other things you already have Mm -hmm. like three years of experience and like a base yeah
0: it's a it's i think kind of the same as trade work here like trade trade work is like doing carpentry doing plumbing doing yeah uh, um, exactly
1: all those things uh,
0: iron work stuff like that like that's all trade work so Mm -hmm. you can you can get a job almost straight out of uh exactly that was the point yeah And and even that's changed here now like you most of the time you have to get some sort of a college diploma to do a lot of that stuff now so
1: First, I wanted to be a nurse and my mom said, you've already done enough of that in your life. Like, I know what you mean. You want to help? Because I thought that would get me into, like, being a therapist. And she's like, because I, she's she, my mom runs an elderly home okay. in Sweden. She told me, like, if you study this program, like, the nurse program, you're going to have to have, like, um, days when you, you come to my job, for example. You've already done that. That's not what you want to do. And I listened a lot to my mom at that point. So I was like, okay, maybe not. Then I'm like, well, I like fashion. It would be cool to make my own clothes. And then she's like, it's going to be really hard for you to get a job. And I'm like, well, fuck. Can't do the mom. You're just like ruining what I want to do. And I'm like, what do you want? Do you want me to do nature science? And she's like, I want you to do something that actually lets you have fun for three years. She's like, you're going to be in school for three years. I don't want you to hate it. So pick something that... At least we'll give you some fun. And I was like, oh, well, media, which is considered to be a lazy program. But here's the thing, folks. If you do what they ask you to do, it's just as complicated and hard as any other program you could study.
0: A thing like, uh, a thing like photography or like uh, any kind of visual art like that, you only get out of it what you put into it. Yeah. so it, you can cruise through the it, like doing it the educational yeah. way like going and getting your degree or anything in, in, in arts you can just cruise through it and you can complete it and you can get a degree but you're not going to get out of it what the person who is putting their heart and soul into exactly. it is going to get out of it um so you so when did you graduate that
1: when i was 19 when you 2011. Were 19. okay
0: and then what happened when the two years before you came here Cause you said 20. I would,
1: I that because my dad died before my last year, okay. Uh, that's so I would be working part time and studying, and then I tried to work full time okay. at this little art store, um, so that I could save up money. I was really good at saving money. Also, I was living at home, and my mom didn't make me pay rent, which bless her, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I've traveled a lot, I don't know how I managed to save some money, but. I managed to... Like, I think I've traveled, like, 17 countries already, so, like...
0: I, um... I didn't... uh, My mom... Because my mom and dad divorced when I was 11... Um, and my mom, bless her heart, worked like a dog to try to keep our heads above water, but it yeah. just didn't work out that way. It was just, uh, you know, it's so a lot when harder when you're it's, not two people exactly, with income and anymore. And like, and I didn't appreciate it. And I would kind of take advantage of it a little bit because I was a teenager and I didn't really understand that like she was working that, that hard yeah. and whatnot. You um, don't so teenager. I was at a disadvantage when I went out on my own because I'd never been able to save money. And I didn't, didn't, yeah. I didn't work when I was a teenager because I lived in a town of 400 people and there was no jobs for teenagers. Yeah. Um, so I didn't work. And so when I finally was out on my own and I went to college and I, I was starting to be an adult i was at such a disadvantage because i had no idea how to save money or how to you know even just something as simple as like how to balance my bank account and how to do a budget and stuff like that. i had no idea how to do any of that my first year of being out on my own was terrifying because i had no idea what i was doing Um, i was smart enough that like once i got my student loans and stuff i just went and paid my rent in advance for like 12 months or whatever the hell it was like i paid mm-hmm. for like a year of rent in advance uh because i was like that's a smart decision to do um but past that it was like i was i was scraping by on like 50 dollars a week like trying to make you know buy groceries yeah. and do everything else because i had no idea how to save money like i just didn't understand the concept of saving and i didn't have any money to save i was i was yeah. just kind of living off what i had so it's it's nice to meet when i hear people that Understood how to do it before they like kind of got out on their mm-hmm. own because it means that you had such a great uh, a great ability right from the get go. You know what I mean? Because I know how hard it was to struggle without knowing any of it. I
1: don't really know how I learned. Hmm. It wasn't something my mom or dad directly taught me. Maybe right. they did it indirectly. Moving to Canada was the first time I moved out of my house like at all. I was like, all right, I'm gonna take my stuff and move out for the first time, and I'm gonna it's go.
0: Google's talking to you.
1: Why are you listening? Okay, this is creepy. Stop listening. Big Brother's listening. Eight steps to moving out for the first time? (laughs) Oh my God, that's fucking creepy.
0: Uh, Big Brother's always listening. So, okay. So, you're learning how to manage money, or you already kind of learned how to manage money. Um, I just
1: knew that... I think it was paranoid because I'm like, I'm... I knew my mom. She could sort of help me a little bit financially, but, like, I knew how much my rent was going to be. And then I'm like, I looked at my savings and I looked at the the months I was going to be here and I'm like, all right, that means that with all my savings, with rent and all that, how much can I spend each month? Because I knew I wasn't going to be able to work here. Mm -hmm. That's why I was working. um, Because from the time I got into uh, Vancouver Film School till the time that I actually left was a bit more than a year. Because when you get in, you can sort of choose when you want to start. Mm. And I wanted to give myself that time because I'm like, I need to save money and prepare.
0: I don't even know what currency you guys use. Krona. Krona. So so what is the currency exchange between the two? I think
1: right now one Canadian dollar is 6.5-ish. So like you were working
0: like crazy hard to try to make the amount of money that you needed for over here. I think
1: it's like all my savings and that's like all savings I had my entire life was gone. Like i I think I saved around thirty grand, thirty-five grand Canadian myself. Canadian, that's fantastic. Um, but that's also half of that my mom had saved up for me since I was I think when I turned eight or something, she started this bank account where she just okay. put like a hundred Canadian yep. dollars away, like yep. if I if I converted, that's how much she would put in every month. Um so I had like a little starter kit, because I didn't move until I was twenty one, so I could have easily, because there's like this norm in Sweden that when you're 18, you're like an adult legally. So a lot of people move out when they're 18. I'm really happy I didn't because I wouldn't have had any savings. So I guess I lucked out in my decisions because honestly, I can't tell you where I learned it. Like I just, I think I just didn't see the point. I'm like, I get it. Like, I understand why you would want to have your own place like I wanted to but I was like well then I might as well if I don't really know what to do with my situation right now I might as well just stick around at home save money until we know what we're going to do mm-hmm. and then it just turned out that I moved here um, but I figured out the budget that I needed because I didn't want to work while I was in school I'm like if I'm going to move across the world to go to school I'm going to go to school I don't want to have to worry about work like it's too much that's too much mm-hmm. and uh, so I just went to school
0: so I didn't work until i was 22 years old and I, I had never had a what job. i had never had a job in my life until i was 22 years old because i went straight from high school to going to college and then i flunked out of college but i still had tons of money so i didn't have to work um and then i went back into college like six months later um and it wasn't until my last year of college where osap was like we're not going to give you any more money. We're going to give you like an extra couple of grand to like cover tuition, but that's it. So I didn't have any money <laughs> at the end, of like my last year of school. Um, so I had to get a job because I would have just like, I would have, uh, would and have that perished. was that's what where my, more of my point was, was I was the same way when I started going to school. I was like, I want to be in school. I don't want to have a job. I want to focus on school yeah. because that'll be too much for me. And it was because I had to get a job at my last my last year of school and it almost ruined me because I had to work full time and go to school full time. Your brain
1: can only do so and much. it was
0: just too much for me. I just couldn't handle it. I did it, but it was like my last year was rough because like I wasn't sleeping at all and I was like I going to school. Totally see I was going that. to school for eight hours a day and then working for six to eight hours a night. Like it was just it was not good. Um and uh so yeah that's that's what my point was was i was in the same concept where it's like i didn't but you had worked before so you kind of understood like the the ebb and flow of money i didn't understand that like i didn't understand what it was like to get a paycheck i had no i had no concept of that um so it was it was weird to me because i either just had money or i didn't have money there was no like oh there's money coming in two weeks it was just i have money oh no i don't have money um, so getting a job finally, it made me understand a little bit better of like, oh, okay, so like I can put this off until this paycheck that's coming in two weeks or whatever. And it made me understand my finances a little bit better. Whereas before I just had a giant lump sum of money that I just kept drawing from and, and paying what needed to be paid and, and doing whatever with. Um, so I re- was really late to the gate doing all of that because I didn't know how to manage my finances at all. I just mm-hmm. was, I was completely blind to it. Um, And it's only been in the past couple of years that I've really started to understand, like, how to manage my finances and how to make sure that my bottom line is covered so that I don't, like, get homeless or or anything like that. And as a young adult, I was homeless for a little while. Like, I, I, I couldn't pay rent, like, before I got the job and I ran out of money. I had to, like, couch surf for a little bit because I didn't have any place to stay and I was like and I I have a very distinct memory of like calling my mom on the phone and just being like I don't know what to do and just and I was like just bawling and just like Mm -hmm. I, I was like so overwhelmed and so I think that's why I'm so calm about it now is because I know that money always finds a way as long as you are willing to work for it and since then, like since I, since I had that scare of like being homeless and like trying and having to like mooch off of my friends, like there was a good year period there where I was working, but I was just working to try to stay alive and pay my rent. Yeah. And every time that my friends and I would go out, it was like, hey, can you spot me 20 bucks so that we can eat or whatever? And like, I'm so thankful for those friends and the ones that were willing to lend a hand that, yeah. that way. Um because like i would have died like i think like i would have been just i would have been out on my ass because i wouldn't have been able to eat like i either i wouldn't yeah. have been able to and yeah like i i didn't it was always going out to eat and stuff like that and getting pizza and whatnot. But those were the only meals that I had. And it was like one of those things where my friends would all order pizza. And then when we were leaving at the end of the night, I would like stuff a couple in my jacket without telling anybody because I didn't have any food at home. So I'd have to bring it home to eat. And that was the only thing I was eating. Um, And so I think that's why there's such a, such a calm nature to me now that like when I start running out of money, I'm like, it will, it will figure itself out. I just have to not worry about it.
1: But that's also because you know that you are responsible that
0: it's because I know that one, I have a job (laughs) and that I I will always have a job. Um, and two, my line of work, I can do anywhere that I am. So I know,
1: and and, and I'm also not,
0: I'm not worried about like, I will do any work as long as it pays me money. I don't mind
1: doing dirty work at all. Yeah,
0: I'm not, like, if somebody's like, hey, go clean out my toilets for this amount of money, I'm like, done, cool, whatever. If you're going to pay me, I'm not afraid, yeah, I'm not afraid of that. It doesn't bother me. So there's definitely a certain calm energy that Mm -hmm. I just, I never worry about. And even now, like, I'm getting down to my last, like, hundred bucks while I'm here, and I still got, like, a week to go here. And I'm like, okay, this is getting dicey. Not sure. But I know... That everything will work out. And like this morning, I got a message about a friend that needs some work done when I get home. And they were like, We can send you a deposit like within the next few days. And I was like, All works okay. out. Even Stephen's every time. It always does <laughs> every time. You just, I find that getting worried about it and freaking out about it that only adds to the stress about it yeah. and especially somebody like me like i stress eat when i'm stressed i eat things so that just costs me more money. well
1: me too but I, like, <laughs> like, i'm very I'm much calm, a stress eater. let's eat i'm stressed let's eat i'm sad let's eat i'm angry give me something to eat um, i'm just a
0: girl who eats. that's what i that's what i like about you mostly um mostly
1: she likes to eat um
0: okay uh so You've moved to Canada at this point in the timeline. You've been here how long now in total? 4 years? Five, 5 years? Okay. So, what are the biggest differences between living here and living back home? Like what are what are some glaring things where you're like, "Oh shit, okay, this is like completely new or this is completely different."
1: I feel like voting is more straightforward in okay. Sweden. I can't ex- exactly explain the details of that, but um, I feel like healthcare is more straightforward in Sweden. That being said, the healthcare in Sweden is going downhill right now, as I understand it. Uh, they're not paying their nurses enough, which obviously I don't think they are anywhere. Um, I used to be very worried where I felt like I wouldn't be as covered here by healthcare as I would. Sweden, but now when I'm a permanent resident and I'll probably be a citizen, I don't think that necessarily is true. Um, I also think there's holes in like med medical care in every country, right? Um, I feel like racism exists in both countries. Something I was shocked about when I came to Canada was the the stark difference in how people treat the Indigenous. Indigenous people okay. in Canada. I had no idea that that was a thing. Um, it's very shocking and very sad to me. I don't think we treat our Indigenous people in Sweden like that, but to be perfectly honest with you, I honestly don't know anything about the Indigenous people of Sweden. I'm sure we have been awful to them as well, but it's so much clearer mm. to me here. I find that North America is a bit behind on their environmental ways of running their cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, something we talked, I talked about today, how they dispose garbage here is beyond me. Like, I don't understand why landfill is still a thing in a country that, according to me, should be very progressive. And it's like a baby country. Canada is a baby country. Right compared to, like, when it yeah. comes to civilization, or mm-hmm. modern civilization. It's, it's weird to me, because I'm a lot for, like, reusing things, and uh, every time I buy anything in plastic, my soul hurts a bit, mm-hmm. because I know what I'm adding to, and, like, what problem in this world that I'm adding to. Um, and to me, it is shocking that recycling... And stuff like that in North America is so behind compared to what... And I'm not going to say Europe, because I don't think every country in Europe is as progressive as Sweden is. But in Sweden, we we burn our garbage, and then we use that energy to power our cities. So much that we're actually importing garbage. But it doesn't end up in the ocean. And then um, people would say that, yeah, but you know, then there's the gases. Well, we have filters, but we have these power plants that are like taking care of garbage. And I that is very disturbing to me how a, how a country that that identifies themselves as being very progressive will still do pipelines through indigenous communities and all of these things and how they want to like put it in the water where we all know like it's not really a secret that that creates a big danger to wildlife and canada is pretty much known for its wildlife so for me it's very very shocking that people don't care a lot of people talk about what society owes them but it's it's a cycle where you also owe the society something to make it Work as a wheel.
0: I'll be the first to admit that, like, I don't talk about politics. But I, like, on the other hand, I don't. I also don't complain about any of my rights. I don't complain about anything like that. I don't have an issue with anything like that, um because it's same concept. Like, I feel like if you're going to complain about your rights as a, as a citizen,
1: then do something. Then
0: do something about it. But or if you're going to complain about the war and 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 politics and stuff like that, you should do more as a citizen to, yeah. to circumvent that. I don't do either. I I am blissfully ignorant to all of it just because I choose to be that way. Not because I want to be ignorant, just because I don't feel like I have a good grasp on it, so I don't feel like I add anything to it. I do what I can as a citizen to recycle to and to person. and to be... Yeah. And I don't drive a vehicle and I walk everywhere and I, I compost and I'm trying to build my own vegetable garden. I'm trying to do my own as a person to, to be as, as self-sufficient as I can. Okay,
1: but then you still have... You still have a grasp of what is happening in the exactly, world. like and you I, know,
0: and I just and I, but I also don't like, I don't go out of my way, you know, like I will order something and use a plastic cup, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like I that it should but I also like I don't do it all the time, you know what I mean, like I, it's not well, that's something just that a I do constantly, choice. um, and, but it's one of those things where like I. I don't, I don't go on either side. I'm just very much in the middle of it, and I just kind of stay there. And I don't. And I'm
1: like Starbucks is evil. It's totally
0: okay. Um, But I just stay very blissfully in the middle of it because I don't like to contribute or take away from either uh, yeah. either thing. I just like to stay where I am. I make sure my little inner circle is, you know, as yeah. self-sufficient as it can be without, you know, leaving too big of a footprint and that's yeah. all that I do. And I try not to get involved with it. There's there's two things in life that I don't really discuss and it's politics and religion and I don't discuss either of them just because I don't have a firm grasp on either of them. So I yeah. choose not to talk about them just because I don't honestly like one I don't really care. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to i don't have a firm grasp on a lot of it so i just kind of stay out of conversations like that um but it's just a personal choice i just i chose a long time well not a long time a while back to just not get involved in stuff like that and there's a reason that i'll never be a politician and there's a reason that i you know don't subscribe to any religions and it's just because i find it complicated and frustrating so i just
1: but, well, I mean you just learn how to budget, so uh,
0: yes, I just I'm just beca- maybe
1: you'll be a, like a political maybe hero when you're when like I'm, fifty.
0: Yeah, when I'm forty five yeah. I'll decide that I want to go into politics.
1: And that's totally fine. Yeah. I'm still new to this country, right? <laughs> um, um another thing that I think is different I also don't know if that's because I don't have family in Canada, but something that I feel is that um, what society expects out of you. And I also don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but I always felt like in Sweden, it's all about status. Like, I feel like people go to university for the sake of going to university. They're not necessarily even choosing something they want to do just because if you don't go to university, you're not really worth anything. It's very cut in stone, I feel. But then again, like I remember that's when I, when I explained this to my sister, she's like, well, it's changed. What do you know? You're not here anymore. Maybe she's right. Uh, like, I don't. I'm what I'm saying is not religiously true, but um, that's what I felt. I felt that there was a lot of fake status that people want to achieve that to me was pointless, okay. and I'm sure it's the same here, but I don't have the same pressure on me here because okay. I am very independent yeah. here in Canada. In Sweden, I would make choices. That were based on my mom and my sister's wishes, was, even though they don't want, like, specifically tell me.
0: I was about to ask you that. Like, how much of that is, like, familial pressure yeah. as opposed to just, like, societal pressure? Because uh, I know I'm the same way. Like, m- like me and my mom now are very much the same person. We're very much on the same page. Mm-hmm. So I can do basically anything and just be like, hey, mom, I did this thing. And she's like, well, that was dumb. Or she'll be like, that was, you know, great. Mm-hmm um but before like when my dad was still alive when i was a teenager it was very uh my family wanted me to be a certain thing, thing. and i felt a lot of pressure of that and i kind of equated it to like societal pressures because my family um being in a smaller town everything that they i just did just want
1: what's best for us and i get that
0: everything but... that i did in the small town represented my family Whereas now, like if I were to come to a city like this, no one knows me other than me. Nobody knows my family. Um, So I would be, there would be chains off sort of thing. Like I could do basically whatever I wanted and it wouldn't matter because there's no, there's no pressure there. Um, There's no pressure really in my life anymore at all because my mom's very accepting of everything that I do. Uh, But before there was definitely like a, a family pressure there of like, you have to perform a certain way and you have to, you know, be a certain, certain dynamic.
1: I feel um I also feel like I'm not gonna say Canada, but I feel Vancouver is very multicultural.
0: It's definitely a melting pot, that's for It sure.
1: totally is, yeah. which is why I like it. Um I don't know if I would say the same about Stockholm. Stockholm's very posh to me and I don't know. it's a beautiful city, but it's not I don't feel at home there at all.
0: But I'd you have the same opportunities that you would See, here? I don't know. I feel like there would, the, It kinda like,
1: weighs in different ends, you know what yeah. I mean? Like Some things I would gain on, some things I would lose on.
0: It's a, it's a, it's a big fish in a small pond sort of concept. I was the same way, like even in my home city, I'm a, I'm a big fish in a small pond there, but I come out here and I'm just another, another minnow on the street because there's like 500 other people that have the same qualifications and the same, you know, everything else. So it's, it's a weird kind of thing. If you, if you were to go back there, like, yeah, you might be a bigger name in that city, But would you have the same opportunities of, like, potential movies and things of that nature out here that you could could
1: get? It's a question where I can't say what's better or worse because they both have pros and cons that kind of outweigh each other. All I can say is that I feel more at home here right now, and Mm -hmm. that's all I can do is, like, listen to what my being is telling me, even though I feel lonely. But the thing is, like, I would feel lonely in Sweden, too. Even if I lived with my family, I would feel incredibly lonely, probably way more frustrated
0: do you um, do you feel like you found yourself a little more here than oh, at yeah, home?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: And do you think that's because you've been isolated from everybody that you've definitely. had a chance to? Okay, cool.
1: That, but also acting school kind of breaks you down yeah, really <laughs> to really. like your bones <laughs> yeah. because right. they want to strip you and make you very aware of mm-hmm. the societal pressures and norms that have been put on you. Mm-hmm. And then you have to build yourself up again being aware of them. And you're forced to deal with a lot of shit. And I think that for me that was very helpful. There's no, there's no reason to regret it. And I had some breakdowns where I would talk to my mom on the phone. And I'm like, what if I don't want to do this? Like, what if I'm throwing all this money, like, in the lake? There's no point in me feeling like I wasted money. The only way I would have wasted that money is if I decide that that, that they were wasted. That's the only reason. Even if I don't do anything in film, that doesn't mean that that money was wasted. Mm-hmm.
0: There's no such thing as wasted money if it had a positive inco- outcome from it. It's like, just not possible.
1: So um, it's Even like,
0: buying food isn't a waste of money because it still has a positive in- outcome. It was
1: like an experience that I don't think I could have had. Okay. I needed to get far away and be very independent and be a big sister, be a lover, be a best friend be a mentor, be a, be a student. I needed all those things separately from my family. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: So you had to figure out what path you were going down. That's, I think that's
1: the biggest thing. Is like, I I just needed to do my own thing. Even if I would have gone to fucking veterinary school or something, I don't know. Trapeze artist college. Oh Uh, man, I would have been fit as fuck.
0: Uh, What kind of goals do you want to achieve um, as an artist or as an actress by, like, the end of this year or by the end of the next few years? Like, is there any bucket list? I hate list? that question. I totally understand.
1: I hate it. Uh-huh. Because I don't have a good answer.
0: I only ask the hard questions, here.
1: Nah, I don't know if it's hard. It's just me not wanting to say something that I can't live up to, I think. Um... Ideally, this year.
0: Well, this year and the next couple of years. Um, like, is there just... It, not necessarily goals, but is there just something that, like, you really want to participate in in the next couple of years? Is there something that's just like, yeah, I really want to do that?
1: I want to get an agent again. Okay. Which is ridiculous that I haven't even tried. Um, I want to get an agent again. I want to... I want to direct something okay. within the next ten years. And I've, I've wanted to do that for a while. The reason I haven't started... It's just that life has had different things where I had to prioritize them. And the reason I took a step back from acting for a little bit was partly PR was like a big priority and acting wasn't going to help me with that. But also a point where I was so freshly out of school and when I came out of came like when I graduated, your biggest issue, your biggest want is to fit into as much as possible. Even though I don't necessarily see it myself, I know I'm general. Generally, I'm a, I'm a pretty woman. Yep. Like, I look pretty. That's as much as I understand. How I personally feel about it is a very different thing. But conventionally or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm considered pretty. And I never felt that about myself. So then having to market that was very weird to me. Because you need to own it in a way that to me wasn't real. Mm-hmm. And... I also took a step back because I was, I was asking myself, why do I want to do acting? Do I actually really love it, or am I trying to prove something? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think it's just annoying. Sometimes I get annoyed because I don't understand. Because I probably haven't used the right techniques. And in moments I know that it's exactly the right place where I'm supposed to be. Like, I know I can do a good job do I think it can change the world with it? I don't know. That's probably also another reason to why I didn't know if it was the right thing to do Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what, if I chose acting, I'm like, how am I adding anything good to the world by doing acting? Like, sure, it's art, but there's a lot of other artsy things I can do that would actually, you know, Mm -hmm. help people. So, I think it had a lot to do with guilt and I lost my agent right before that. I was just, it was like a whirlwind and then it was the PR and I was like, I need, I need a human break. Like, I need to right now not push myself into trying to fit in into every box right. and please everyone else because that has been my entire life, as I'm sure it has been everyone, like a lot of other people's too. But, like, you know, you dress, you go for a job interview. You dress the way you think they want you to dress so that you will look good, so they will hire you. You, you talk to someone you like. You try to figure out what they like to talk about so that you can present that side to them so that they will be interested in you. And I was just so fucking tired of selling myself. I was so tired. And I was so scared. I was scared because I was like, what if I never find myself? If I keep trying to fit into these things that other people want me to be, then how will I ever find myself? Even if finding myself will not happen until... That's a gradual process. It's not going to happen like that. It's going to... I'm going to find yourself is something that happens throughout your life. You find another part of yourself. You find this and you find that. But I wasn't really secure in my position as a woman. I didn't even see myself as an adult. You weren't accepting yourself. I wasn't accepting myself as an adult woman that deserved or could do certain things. And I'm like, so I don't know how I'm going to... How am I going to sell that? And also... I was really scared that if I would try to fit into all these boxes too much that I would somehow never find what I was because I was like not getting tattoos or not dying my hair like not getting piercings or whatever because I'm like no I need to be as neutral as possible and then one day a friend said to me he's like we were talking about my thigh tattoo before I even got and he's like well at some certain point like you can't really censor yourself And I mean, in the acting world, there's always going to be someone who looks like me. There's always going to be someone prettier than me, uglier than me, fatter than me, skinnier than me, funnier than me, you know, always. And then I figured me, sorry, (laughs) me trying to fit into all of these boxes at once is not going to make me that much more different than any of those people. So if I, if I do get what I want, if I want this tattoo, if I get it, at least I'll, I'll be a bit more, feel a bit more like myself and sure. It will put me in, in another box why is that box different from me trying to be neutral? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, why why is the neutral box better? Mm-hmm. Why do I have to be neutral? I don't like anything that's neutral. Except maybe colors. I like neutral colors. But when I got my septum piercing, um, I was like, shit, what if I can't get hired? I'm a manager at a fucking restaurant. Like, I'm fine because I can do my job well. I present it well. I don't want to believe that these things will define everything about me. Sure, they do define some things. I don't want to buy into that part of society. Sure, I know that's how some people see it, especially older generations, but I feel like if I'm going to buy into that, I'm just going to follow.
0: Eventually you find a comfort level with uh, who you are and you come to terms with who you are. um, And you realize that... No matter what kind of box you try to fit yourself in, Mm -hmm. there's an entire group of people that aren't going to like that box. Yeah. and You can be
1: the fuzziest peach and there'll still be someone who doesn't like peaches. And
0: no matter what happens, there's always going to be a group of people that are upset with you for whatever reason. So the way I look at it is I might as well be exactly who I feel like I am. Yeah. And if people don't like it, then I don't have to spend time with those people. Right. And that's how I live my life now, is if somebody doesn't like something that I do, if they want to leave, the door's over there. And right. I'm going to be upset about it, because, like, if it's a friend, I don't want to lose mm. that friend, but I'm also not going to compromise the person that I am, just because someone's upset with It says more about
1: them me. than it says about you.
0: Um, I accept everybody, regardless of what they are, who they are. I don't care unless you're an asshole. If you're an asshole, I don't want nothing to do with you. Yeah. But if, no matter what kind of person you are, I will accept you. And if you don't accept me for the person that I am, then like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. That's cool. You can go live your life and I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. And that's, I kind of think what you're trying to get at is like, you just, eventually you just realize you got to just do your boxes for you.
1: Right. That's it. Also, I think that, tied into, like, relationships. Mm. How will I ever be able to give someone the love they deserve if I can't give myself the love that I deserve from myself? Mm. And then, therefore, I feel like you can't really... You won't know the love you deserve until you decide that for yourself.
0: Yep. There's a quote from a movie, and I'm blanking out what movie it is right now, but it says that you only accept the love that you think you deserve. Yeah, Um, and that's exactly it. Is like if you don't think that you deserve that level of, and I think that's the biggest reason that I struggle with a lot of romantic relationships and stuff is because like I don't, I don't feel like I can love someone as much as someone can love me, and I and I just because I haven't reached that level internally yet to be able to love myself in order to give that much back to someone. and so that's a big reason that I struggle with a lot of that stuff. But, but
1: then how do you get to that point? We'll see. Do you learn by being with someone or do you keep isolating yourself thinking that you are the only see, one who can not, teach you that? I'm not isolating myself.
0: I'm very open to
1: everything. No, but like, do you, know, do you know, like some people would though. Mm, yeah.
0: But that's the thing with me is that I'm not isolating myself. I'm very open to the idea of a relationship with someone. I just don't think that I have the ability to love someone to that level that they deserve because the people that I am romantically interested in deserve the utmost love and respect. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I'm at a place in internally that I can give that to someone.
1: You don't think that you're worthy of it and yet?
0: Not that I'm not worthy of it. I, I think that,
1: well, it, it's kind of what it gets down to is you just word it differently, but that's kind of what you're saying. But cause I get it. I totally. It's do. not
0: because I don't feel like I'm worthy of it. It's because I feel like I can't give what I think other people are worthy of, because I haven't figured my own shit out, and I need to figure that out before I project oh my God, all you of that shit. My
1: ex. This is what's going on in his head. Onto I understand
0: Another person, because yeah. that's not fair to that person. Because I still haven't figured all my shit out.
1: But okay. But what if you never do?
0: then I'll be alone for the rest of my life. And I'm perfectly okay with that.
1: Okay, but what if that person could help you figure that shit out? Mm, I don't believe anybody could help
0: you figure your shit out. I think it's all internal unless you go get professional help.
1: I mean, you do see a there, but... Mm. Hmm. But, like, I feel like that's a very fine line, where I'm like...
0: And, again, I could be wrong. There, there could be someone tomorrow that I meet that is, like, just clicks everything in and it all just makes sense. Yeah. Could happen. But it hasn't. And I'm not worried about it. I'm not I worried mean, about it. mean,
1: we're that. also not old. I feel like I, I've heard someone say you shouldn't be in a relationship or like a steady one until you're beginning mid 30s right. because you need to like. Yeah.
0: I also think that like.
1: Figure some I shit think out.
0: from what I've observed and what I've experienced in life. I think you have to be good friends with a person before you can be in a relationship with them. I think that you have to you have to develop a friendship, and then that friendship has to grow into something. I think more. that is very true. Because um, I feel a lot of people like they they search outside of their friend circle for like romantic interest and it's just like somebody like a random person they're like, Yep, yeah, that's the person I gonna I'm gonna be with that person. Whereas it's usually like right in front of you. It's the person that you love spending every moment with. But that but,
1: doesn't mean just because he's okay, but hmm.
0: I'm not saying that's exactly like I'm not saying that's why you, you should be with someone. My I'm just issue saying is a lot of the time is when you are that close with someone, there's the potential to be more there. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a potential to be more there. And I feel like that's necessary to have a successful relationship. Because.
1: Because I agree. I do. But then at the same time, I'm like, I have friends that I would die for. And that, you know, I would marry them in a heartbeat because they would be a great partner. But I'm not in love with them. That's, a, that's totally okay. No, but like what? Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, or you, or you date someone and you're like, you're fucking perfect. Like yeah. you literally are. But for some reason we're not on the same level right now. And then you're like, man, can I can I can I come back to you in five years? That's what I'm saying. It's, can I like put this exact, on pause? That's exactly my point. Wow. I need to pee. That's fair. Pause.
0: So the theme that I've been trying to bring with all the episodes of the podcast is that the guest needs to bring three questions that they have to ask me and they have to be things that they want to know but i have to answer them completely honestly and transparently as as much as i can monica definitely delivered on this and uh she was she definitely caught me a little bit off guard with uh with the questions but they were really, um, unique questions and stuff that I'd never really been asked before. And it was very, it was a, it was a great exercise in self-reflection that I wasn't expecting. And, and it helped me, uh, helped me through a couple of things after talking about it. Um, even after we stopped recording, after we hit the, the stop button, it was just, just chatting with her, um, while I was walking, um, back to the place I was staying in Vancouver. It was eye-opening to myself for a couple of things and it helped me figure some things out in my life that I was struggling with and uh and I hope that maybe listening to this will help you figure something out too because uh, she just seems to have a way that she can kind of inspire you to do what you want to do
1: oh the my question is to you? yours yeah oh okay better it took be me good a ones long time to get to that better be a good one what do you like least about yourself and do you think that's what other people like the least about you
0: um I hate my impulsive nature. I hate that I struggle with controlling my life because I am so impulsive. Um it's no gotten budgeting. it's gotten better with age. Now it's more just financials like I just I don't I just spend my money. I'm like I want pizza, I'm going to go order pizza even if it's my mm-hmm. last 20 bucks in my account. I if I want yeah. pizza, I'm going to get it. Um and it's something I've been working on really really hard, but it's definitely it's been a very big struggle in my life to overcome um i don't think it's other people's least favorite thing uh just because it's mostly an internal thing years ago it was probably people's least favorite thing because i was very unpredictable and i kind of just did whatever the fuck i wanted to do all the time and it it, to to detriment of other people and myself now it's like i do whatever i want just to detriment myself more Mm -hmm. than anything um but uh yeah, I definitely don't think it's other people's least favorite thing. I have spent a lot of time figuring out who I am and trying to perfect the person that I am in my eyes. Um, and that's the one thing that has always been kind of like an albatross for me, trying to, like, overcome it. But I've gotten better. I've gotten much better at, at not ruining my life because of impulsive decisions. So it's,
1: it's oh, gotten better. I accept that answer. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Most humbling moment you remember?
0: Um most humbling moment.
1: That's a thinker.
0: So I've always I've always kind of felt like anytime anybody gives me compliments or gives me anything like that, I kind of just go like, yeah, all right, I'm just, you know, I'm just uh whatever, it's all right. Like I'm I'm okay. I'm I'm all right. Like I never accept compliments. Um also it's hard for me to say like this was my most humbling moment cuz like I've always been kind of just like middle of the road sort of thing, in my opinion. Uh, I've never had help
1: someone. It could be... I'm
0: trying to think of, like...
1: It's kind of a question that you need to think about for a bit, though.
0: Yeah, um... I can tell you that, like, in life, my most humbling moment was realizing Mm -hmm. that if I didn't change who I was, that all of my friends were going to leave me behind. Um...
1: What's a heavy one?
0: So... Again, I was, a, as people from previous episodes will know, I, I was a very not good person early in my life, um, and I treated people very poorly, and it wasn't until, like, I was, like, 23-ish, 23, 24, and it made me realize, like, I, I lost a bunch of people in my life. They just decided they didn't want me around anymore, and at that point in my life, like, I wasn't as stable as I am now, mm-hmm. and it affected me very deeply because i felt like i needed those people around to be happy i was taking my happiness from those people i was i was uh i was stepping on them and reaping the rewards of it and taking my happiness from those people realizing that everybody was leaving and that i was going to be alone and that i didn't have any because of who i was i was alienating my friends and i didn't have any friends very very few friends left um that was a very humbling moment for me because it made me really kind of understand that i needed to change what i who i was and what i was doing um and that was what kind of triggered like everything uh to change my entire personality like it's uh it i have went and went through with an absolutely insane personality makeover like i i am a different person than i was um completely and yeah that's like i i can't think of anything other than that that has really like kind of punched me in the face and that's really good one, humbled me a lot yeah it's because uh, like again i've always kind of not that i've had a low opinion of myself but i've always just been kind of like yeah i'm, I'm all right like anytime somebody says like I'm a really good person. I'm like, I'm just a, I'm just a good, I'm just a dude. I'm just a guy that like wants to help people, you know? Yeah. So I've always, I've always kind of struggled with that. I've always just kind of had been middle of the road as far as my opinion of myself goes. So
1: a moment when you couldn't have been more wrong, Mr. I'm never wrong. Most uh, like what I mean is, you know, when you fight for something that you're and like, you're so I sure about something absolutely and then it just like, Oh yeah
0: i was very wrong about my feelings towards human beings um i used to think that the world owed me something and i was very cynical and i thought that i i had a very um why me attitude and i thought people were shitty towards me for no reason and and whatnot but i realized that it, i was the problem and that the reason that people treated me badly was because I didn't treat myself well and I didn't treat other people well. Mm-hmm. And you you gravitate and you attract the attention that you put out all the time. So I was putting out negative um, vibes, so I was only getting in negative vibes. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it just kind of went from there. And I could not have been more wrong about the human being's not only in my life, but just in general. I used to think people were bad, and people were always out to get you, and people always just had shitty attitudes and and stuff like that. And I could not have been more wrong, because like everybody I've met since I've changed my attitude about life has been... Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but the majority of people that I've Mm -hmm. met since i changed my attitude have been so beautiful and so complex and emotional and loving, and it's been such an amazing journey meeting people and discovering what kind of people they are and mm-hmm. what their stories are and what they bring to this world and absorbing all of their cultures and heritages and, and ideas and things of that nature and just being able to accept them for who they are and just love them entirely has been such a beautiful experience for me and before that would never would have happened. I never would have done that because I in my brain everybody was evil and everybody was just shitty all the time. Um, so like a hundred percent that was something that I definitely was wrong about because I thought everybody was innately negative all the time, but I realized that I was just projecting all of that onto people and I was because I was negative, I automatically thought that everybody had the same mindset that I do. Um and now knowing what I know and understanding what I know, I realize that like everybody's just struggling with shit. Yeah. And even though they're struggling, they're still beautiful human beings. And even the even the worst people still have good parts of them, you know what I mean? Um so it's been such an interesting discovery of mine to realize like to be able to open my heart and open my mind to people and just be like just be completely vulnerable with them all the time and mm-hmm. just be able to talk to them openly about everything. Uh, has been such a such a learning experience for me because been a, I've been able to um, understand not only like the world but just like people in general more I've been able to understand different viewpoints and different understandings of things and being able to help people and say like here's what I've experienced and being able to pass that information on to somebody else that is struggling with something that I dealt with you know what I mean and, uh, and I wouldn't have done that if I would have kept the mindset of, like, everybody was negative and, and terrible all the time. Am I keeping you up? Is that the problem? Oh, past I your see... bedtime?
1: I've been tortured today. Turned
0: into a pumpkin?
1: Me? Yeah, it's past midnight. Turned into a pumpkin. Am I a pumpkin? I don't know. Are you? Are you a squash? Are you a gourd? I don't know what a gourd is, but probably I'd rather be a pumpkin. Um... No, I think that's, uh, like, I learned a lot from you, especially about, like, attitude. Hmm. So I think you're a very interesting person. I mean, I'm alright. See? Work better. with taking compliments, so.
0: Coming from you. Mm. 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 Didn't you say to me, like, two days ago, I don't take compliments? No, I don't, but
1: it's easier for me to lecture someone else about it. Yeah,
0: it's easy to point somebody else's faults out.
1: Well, hey, no, I know that I, it's I'm a just, fault of I'm mine. Just, it's just easier for me I'm to. Just
0: wait. ribbon, yeah. I'm just ribbon, yeah. So easy to push my buttons. It's yep. I know it's hilarious, actually.
1: My boss is the same thing. Just... He's like, it's so easy. It's so fun. It's hilarious.
0: Okay, that's it. That's, that's all. It. That's it. That's wonderful. We're now closer friends. Crazy. It's amazing. way? hello again everybody it's been a hot minute since i've recorded anything last uh well that's not true i've recorded a ton of podcast episodes but i've um i just haven't been putting them out because i've been way too busy with uh, just a lot of personal stuff a lot of professional stuff um just a lot going on uh i have uh i finally found a little nugget of time to be able to uh finally edit and produce these episodes which is uh, really cool um So I'm starting off with this new episode. Uh, It's my friend Monica. Uh, I visited my friend a bunch of my friends out in Vancouver in May. um, And Monica and I um, became very quick friends uh, in the last year or so. Um, And so I'm starting things off with this episode. It is my friend Monica from Vancouver. She's an actress in Vancouver. And uh, her and I met about a year ago, maybe two years ago now, and we became very, very quick friends, and I was privileged to sit down with her uh, last time I was out there in May, and we had a really great conversation about a lot of different things, Um, and I just, uh, Monica is such a genuine and beautiful and courageous human being, and I just, I Every time I talk to her I just feel so inspired and so like uh uplifted and I just wanted to share all of that with anybody that I could uh because she's a wonderful human being and I I I feel like she has something to teach and something to um something to give to anyone that listens to her because she just has this uh very interesting and very uh topsy turvy kind of life and it's something that is uh very unique and very uh interesting and i just wanted to sit down and have a very full and intimate conversation with her because i one i just thoroughly enjoy spending time with her and i really wanted to capture what her whole life was about and the whole story behind everything that she has uh accomplished and and um dealt with in her life So, this episode's going to be a little bit uh, a little bit different than my regular episodes because i was I was kind of interviewing Monica as opposed to just having a conversation with her. I was kind of pushing because I wanted to learn a lot about her life because she 's had a very storied past and a very interesting kind of ride to to get to where she is now, um, so I was kind of pushing for you know to, to keep it a little bit linear so it 's a little bit different than just the free form conversations that I typically have with people. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy it regardless. I know I enjoyed it immensely while I was recording it, and I am just—I am so—I am so enthralled with her as a human being because she just has so many interesting perspectives and interesting things to say. Uh, there was a, quite a few parts during this interview where I didn't even have to ask questions; she just kept talking about things, and it was such a wonderful uh, thing to witness because I was able to just sit back and absorb everything that she was saying and it was it was quite uh it was intense and it was lovely and i'm so excited to share this with you so the theme that i've been trying to bring with all the episodes of the podcast is that the guest needs to bring three questions that they have to ask me uh and they have to be um things that they want to know but i have to answer them completely honestly and transparently as as much as i can and, uh, so Monica definitely delivered on this and, uh, she was, she definitely got me a little bit off guard with, uh, with the questions, but they were really, um, unique questions and stuff that I'd never really been asked before. And it was very, it was, a, it was a great exercise in self-reflection that I wasn't expecting. And, and it helped me, uh, helped me through a couple of things after talking about it. Um, even after we stopped recording, after we hit the the stop button, it was just, just chatting with her, um, while I was walking, um, back to the place I was staying in Vancouver. It was, eye-opening to myself for a couple of things and it helped me figure some things out in my life that I was struggling with and uh and I hope that maybe listening to this will help you figure something out too because uh, she just seems to have a way that she can kind of inspire you to do what you want to do um I've decided uh the, this is <laughs> the, the hilarious that I've waited so long because this was like six months ago that I recorded this episode with Monica but in those six months I have decided that I'm going to be producing a book um, and it's something that I have wanted to do for quite some time and it was something that I was really unsure of for a very long time but I got enough support from friends and from family to say that like yep you should do this thing um, it's going to be a book that's mixed with portrait photography as well as uh, some writing that i've done um i guess as you would call it poetry it's more just a kind of stream of consciousness writing feelings and thoughts um but each page is going to have a portrait that i've done and, and some writing that i've done and i'm really excited to fully produce this and put it out um if you're interested in taking a look, uh, I do have pre-orders up on my website right now. Um, there's different tiers of uh, ordering you can do. There's just a digital copy of the book, which is only $20, and then there's physical copies that are range from, I think, 45 to $60, uh, depending on what you want. Um, so if you're interested, please go check that out. Uh, I would really appreciate it, and I've been putting a lot of time and effort into trying to make that a thing. Uh, so I would, I, I would genuinely very, very uh, much appreciate it if you even just go and take a look or or just, uh, express any kind of interest, that would be wonderful. Um, but, uh, enough about my bullshit, uh, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you guys to Monica, and I hope you guys enjoy the conversation as much as I did. See you next time.